All right, Austin Rugby Faithful, we're back. We're back on time this week, and we're excited to dive into another week of Austin Rugby News results and fixtures. Alex, it was not the greatest weekend for Austin Rugby, um, unless you're an Austin Blacks fan. Um, But still, nonetheless, we're excited to talk about it. Um, Still some good takeaways. Moving forward, um, how was your weekend? Yeah, weekend was good, thanks. Uh, it was uh, good fun in the Six Nations. Enjoyed watching that. And uh, also, um, I had a, a nice kind of, uh, did some cool stuff with the missus, which was nice. Went out to a nice place to eat Friday night and then had a, a relaxing day Saturday. Or well, it was relaxing. And uh, I had to, I was giving a, a two-hour guitar lesson which meant that I couldn't actually watch the game live, but <laughs> did catch it almost straight away afterwards in the evening, much to my chagrin. Hey, well, a guitar lesson in the in the live music capital of the world during the world's biggest and greatest music festival, otherwise known as South by Southwest, is nothing to scoff at, um, even if it does get in the way of, of watching our favorite pastime. Um, well, Alex, there was not a ton of action um, across the across the uh, the rugby landscape, unless you are an Austin Black or an Austin Hun. Um, so, just a quick rundown of the weekend's results. Um, as I mentioned, um, being an Austin Hun, it was it was a rough weekend. Um, pretty. Pretty tough on the score lines across the board. Um, Austin Blacks with a clean sweep at Nixon Lane in round one of the Austin Derby. The D1 uh, won 42-7 to over the Huns. Um, that was a 21-7 game at halftime. And then three quick tries there in the second half kind of blew that one open. And um, it was pretty cagey match for for a lot of the game, but the, the Blacks were really, really efficient and um, got to be one of the best D1 teams across the country this year. So hats off to them for a solid result there. The Blacks D2 won a, a bit of a thriller against the Huns D2, 36-26. That game went back and forth. I think there was four lead changes uh, throughout that game. So that one really could have gone either way. Ultimately, um Final five minutes, it was a one-try game, and it was going to be the next team that scores wins. And, wow. and it was the Blacks that, after some back and forth, you know, wild wild action across the field, the Blacks D2 got the win. And and I'm, I must apologize to all of, all of our listeners out there for a faux pas I had last week where I mentioned that the Dallas Reds were on a four-game D2 win streak. And what I meant to say was that the Austin Blacks were on a four-game D2 win streak. It's an easy um, mistake to make, mate. Easy mistake. And and at the time that I said it, Alex, mm. I I questioned if I – I was like, did I say Reds? But I just kept talking and talked to myself through it. <laughs> um, fortunately, uh, Big Z, Zephyr Lambert, he's a Austin Blacks player, he, he politely informed me that um, – that although he loves the podcast, yeah, hey Z, thanks for tuning in. Yeah, yeah, we love having a we love having a, a diehard fan. Um, 
He informed me that I misspoke, and that's exactly the feedback that we need from from our listeners. Yeah, I've been checking out all the podcasts from the uh, the other uh, teams around the league, and uh, I think I think it was actually the Earful of Dirt podcast. But uh, one of the guys was saying, as soon as that red light goes on to record, he just falls to pieces. So yeah. I think it's, it's a very you know uh, yeah it's it's it's, it's a thing <clears throat> the pressure yeah. of recording. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Yeah, it's tougher than it looks and it's as tough as we sound. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's tough to make it this uh, shockingly amateur, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so so my condolences to to any, uh, you know, feelings that might have been hurt by by me not giving the Blacksteed to their due credit last week. But here it is. They are now on a five-game win streak after their big win this weekend. The Austin Blacks. Austin Blacks getting it done. Yeah, not the Dallas. How did you play? I played all right. Um, I was part of that D1 loss. Um, It was, like I said, it was was, um, tense and it it could have, you know, probably, to be fair, I think we probably could have been up at at halftime in the D1 game, but the Blacks did a good job. They held us up in goal twice. and also withstood uh, seven minutes of being down thirteen to fifteen players, and wow, um, I think that was yeah, that was tough. We didn't get any points in that in that uh, seven minutes of, of being. Well, up it's a cliche, isn't it? Teams try harder if they're a man down. So you kind yeah, of maybe. there's a common thing in soccer where they always say it's harder to beat ten men um, because they just go into defensive yeah, mode yeah. and try harder. Are you playing the rule where if you ha- uh, if you hold the, the guy up uh, in goal, you get a dropout yep. rather than a scrum to the opposite? Oh, yeah. How how do you how do you find that? I love the rule. It just didn't didn't work in our favor this weekend. But yeah, Kurt, you know Kurt Morath is fly half for the Blacks. So you give him a goal line dropout. You know he he bombs the the kick back another fifty meters. So you're starting over again. Oh, I bet. Wow. So you were lining up against Morath. Yeah, I was tough to get a tough to lay a hand on him. He moves the ball so quickly. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a cool, calm head as, as we've seen. Yeah. Yeah, it's and that was, I mean, to be fair, not to derail the conversation too much, but you know, that's something you learn when you you play against uh, a guy of his caliber. Is you know, we were giving up a lot of penalties, and and against most teams you play in Texas, it's like you give up a penalty and. It's like a 25 to 30 meter gain on, on a good kick for mm-hmm. a lot of teams. We were giving up penalties at the halfway line and he was burying us in the corner. And they had a, a guy that's got like 30 line. international caps for Samoa. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're just, he was just pinging them into the corner. So any penalty was anywhere on the field was just a 50 meter loss of ground. So it was, they made it tough and they were clinical, but. I mean, we get him get another crack at him this week. So I think, yeah, I think the <clears throat> the level of intensity and, and uh, aggression, I don't think, was lost on the blacks. They definitely had to work for a lot of a lot of what they earned, nice. um, but earned it they did. So great. What um, was the uh, what was the atmosphere like uh, down at uh, down at the club? Uh, oh, it was wonderful. I mean, it's always a big day when you have the blacks at Nixon lane, tons, tons of old boys, Valkyries, young kids, youth rugby, good, real good scene out there and a good social afterwards. So 
I think we did, um, I think we did roast beef. We did roast cooked up roast beef sandwiches this time. Yeah, it was good. With the the club, one of the clubs I used to play with, you just get like a slop of mashed potatoes with some baked beans. (laughs) Be lucky if you had like meat of indiscriminate origin. Right. Um, Yeah, you had roast beef sandwiches. Yeah. Putting an appearance down that club as soon yeah, as I can. Yeah, you should. You should. Well, come out this weekend. The, the Blacks are hosting at, at Burfield. I think it's actually the. It is actually their Ladies' Day on on Saturday. The annual annual bring your misses to to the pitch day. So, ladies first. But it should be another good scene. Oh, awesome. Uh, but yeah, that brings us to the the D three game, and the the Blacks D three did as the Black three D. Blah, blah. The yeah, it's D3 easy for you to say, my friend. The You're Black just saying D3. what we're all thinking. Yep, <laughs> they did as they do, and they won seventy five to eleven. It's been a really long time since the Blacks D three has been challenged, so um, they will be they'll be steamrolling ahead into the playoffs. Um, which is an interesting topic because the Blacks D1, unfortunately, look like they will not make the playoffs because only one team from Division One qualifies for playoffs this year, and the Reds hold the tiebreaker head-to-head because they beat the Blacks by more points than the Blacks beat them. So, Oof. yeah, tough go there. <clears throat> and then, so last couple of games, um, ORC kudos to them. They got back to winning ways this weekend with a 66 to 38 victory. Love it. Yeah. Love seeing that. Uh, Must've been an exciting game, especially after the the last ORC game was just 12 to seven. So they, they uh, rediscovered their affinity for the try line. Um, Looks like they dotted down 10, 10 or 11 tries. So so again, hats off, hats off ORC. Um, hopefully that writes the ship for them and gets them some positive momentum as we head in to the final stretch of the regular season. Um, and then the final game from the Austin area this weekend, the Valkyries D2 took on the San Antonio Riveters, um, came out, came up short again. Uh, this time they lost 22 to 50. Unfortunately, the Valkyries got off to a really slow start again against the Riveters. Um, trailing 21-0 after just 10 minutes. But um, the rest of the way, it was pretty pretty even game. Uh, I think the Valkyries actually uh, might have won the second half. 14, nice. 14 points or 12 points to 10. So It's like sharing a point, isn't it? Yeah, as we yeah, discussed yeah. before. Good work, yep. girls. Yep, yep, yep. And they did get a point for their four tries, so it uh, could come in handy. Um, and yeah, that, that wraps up. Club rugby from the Austin area this weekend. Now, Alex. Yep, well done. Well done, Austin Blacks. Uh, round two of the Austin Derby this weekend at Burfield. Ladies' Day. So any of our female listeners out there in the wide Austin area, come on out to Burfield on Saturday. Fellas as well. <laughs> <laughs> obviously gentlemen welcome to yes 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 but uh alex i'm it's about time that i dish this one over to you to give our austin rugby faithful the recap from saturday's unfortunate result down at snake pit 
Well, uh, uh, you know, because you <clears throat> you haven't seen the game yet, you've seen the highlights. So uh, yeah. I'm going to give it. I'm going to give you my spin on what happened. First up, uh, we can all celebrate that we finally got that unbeaten albatross off from our necks because it was hanging there <laughs> like a lead weight. We don't need the pressure. We don't need the media glare. We don't need people talking on uh, <clears throat> you know obscure podcasts about the undefeated season. So that's gone. We can celebrate. We're free. You can feel the weight has been lifted off the players' shoulders. Nothing will stop them from here on in. Um, lots of positives to come out of the game. Uh, Seb de Chavez uh, back, finally made his first appearance uh, around the hour mm-hmm. mark. Uh, big Seb doing big Seb things. Um, he hasn't, I mean, he's been injured for a while, so he's going to be taking a, a while to panel beat him up to full fitness. But he was taking line outs, he was hitting rucks, so he was, he was putting you know, nice hands at times. Uh, There's a few comedy slapstick moments. I think him and Dom Aquino managed to trip each other up. Uh, which meant that um, uh, one of the other rattlers could sprint up the, f- the pitch for a big game. Um, basically, uh, <laughs> it was a very even contest, apart from the fact that uh, rattlers at home, their pack just dominated. They were huge. They were they outweighed, outmuscled, outpushed. Um, they were very, very determined. Uh, Brian Ray uh, of Ray's Rugby. Um, I think in America's rugby news said that um, the Gilgronies looked like they were tired and, and a little bit beaten up after the LA game. Mm. Uh, and I think that's quite an astute spot um, from him because it, <clears throat> if they had been at their best, I still think the AGs would have struggled. It was an even game and uh, Rattlers didn't play particularly brilliantly. There's plenty of areas. It was... Two defences blanking each other out, but but boy, oh boy, that, that Rattler pack were really doing some damage. Uh, I think Austin did win a scrum towards the end, but mostly they were getting shunted around a little bit. Um, <clears throat> uh, other positives was Lerone White. Lerone White came on after about an hour as well. You love and, that. Yeah, played well. Did uh, considering Good. Austin were so much under the cosh up front. Um, let's say his side of the scrum went back marginally slower than the other side of the scrum. <laughs> yeah. uh, he was offering himself up on the charges. He wasn't. He wasn't getting any change out the the Rattlers' defence. But then nobody was um, right. apart from Chris Osberg. Chris Osberg. I haven't done my my match right up yet. I haven't um, put it together, but I'm thinking that the big fella might be my man of the match. Um, hey, we love that local the local Austin native. Local Austin native Chris Osberg was sprinting around in the centres. I think he made more line breaks than anyone else. I think he put people through holes, uh, did all the ugly stuff. Well. It was all hands to the pump in the ugly stuff. So um, everyone had to work well. Uh, I loved uh, a couple of things. Ryan Lawrence's try was brilliant because uh, it was uh, a line out in Rattler's corner. There's a ruck. And <laughs> the, uh, the the Atlanta winger, the number 11, I can't remember his name, switched off momentarily. He was marking the blind side. Yeah. And was just, I don't know what he was thinking about. He kind of had his hands on his knees. I think he was thinking about his laundry or something. And <laughs> Lawrence spotted this and had like a five-yard run-up 
at him and just just twatted him out of the way, basically. Down, yeah. So it was a typical forwards try from the scrum half. Um, and, you know... Like, hey, to, be, you know hey, to be fair, he is, he is built like a hooker. Yeah, absolutely. His, um, yeah. Uh, his, his biceps are gigantic. You know, he must be able to... <laughs> um, he probably curls what I bench, put it that way. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it was, uh, it was not... An unfair uh, victory for Atlanta. They thoroughly deserved it. It was built around the pack. And it was... Oh, uh, Asa Carter, I thought, showed up really well too when he came on. Um, he didn't play perfectly. Uh, he didn't quite grab a hold of the uh, Atlanta 10. Yeah. He managed to scamper away under the post for his try. Um, but he was putting in a massive shift, good hits. He looks like a good player. He's 22. He's a big-bodied uh, athlete, and he was throwing he's, his weight around in the tackles. Um, yeah, he so is. Uh, <clears throat> he is what I would consider the kind of uh, the hallmark of relentless. He Asa is a uh, – he's a player that has a, an engine, you know, that doesn't ever really seem to peter out. And he's high intensity, high high aggression, pretty much for whatever amount of minutes he's in the game. Mm-hmm. He is intense and aggressive for that amount of minutes. He's intense and aggressive, and it, for that yeah. reason, I'm it. I'm not going to be the one to mention the fact that he looks a lot like Sideshow Bob. Um, but he played great. He came on uh, really. I think we were a bit underpowered in the back row, which is something you don't often say. Brayton back was injured. Akina, I think uh, Akina looked like he had fallen in love with the idea of playing centre and didn't really quite want to put his heart into playing blindside flanker. I've seen him put in some epic shifts from six, like buried under bodies all game. That wasn't the game that he played uh, on Saturday. Not that he played badly, but, I mean, people talk about his um, uh, NFL size and everything, but he's not a big blindside flanker. Yeah. Was it 6'2", 220, 230? Yeah, and he's also leaner than he was when he was a flanker as well. Yeah. And no, no one, I mean, he's a he's a huge center, but he's a, he's a flyaway, a flanker. So I think we got pushed around a little bit in the back row. Um, uh, Lockie and DeWall were trying manfully doing all the things they could but um, honestly like you do, I, I would, I'd be interested to see the, the stats and the size difference so on average per person in the packs because we got shunted around quite severely but anyway it doesn't matter because you know nobody was expecting us to go undefeated we were bound to lose yeah. one they're the best of the east um, they showed why Mm-hmm. Their defense, their kick chase was stifling, just like ours was. But the only difference really was that their forwards gave them front football and made some penetration. Um, yeah, uh, it was on first viewing, it was a pretty, it was a bit of a beatdown. But having gone through with a fine tooth comb and looked at it, um, it was. Well- just one of those games. Chalk it off to a, just one of those days at the office. Um, f- d- if you fancy a laugh, the last two lo- uh, AG lineouts in like the last five minutes are, you can just see the players are out on their feet. Nothing works. Nothing's ha- going right for them. Uh, it's, it's all a bit Keystone Cops, but um, 
it, you know, it, it was considering how much of a beat down they were getting in the forwards. It was actually a brave comeback from Austin. Like Lawrence's try brought it back to what, like, yeah, only I eight think or was, seven points or something. I think it was, they went from, they were down 16 0 and got it to 16 14. So, right. yeah, they, they, they definitely battled back. They did look like they might be trying to, they're putting up a good fight. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you know, who knows? I don't know. It's, it's all, all that way up north to Atlanta. That must be uh, quite a, quite a trip um yeah. so who knows maybe they just maybe they just, well the thing that worries me is that um uh, we've got um the free jacks up next yeah they're Doesn't the team that i was more most worried about more worried about them than atlanta who knows if they were beat up after la they're definitely beaten up now after atlanta so it'd be interesting to see how they get on at the free jack or right it's a bold well, so. yeah it will be yeah, we'll be in the comfy confines of bold stadium which will be oh you know a welcome relief. Honestly, New England Free Jacks will probably welcome a trip to Bold after their game this weekend. Did you see the conditions that they played in? Yeah, yeah that was uh, <laughs> that looked cool. I mean, it was apparently it was really cold in Atlanta as well. It was certainly windy. Like the wind played a massive part in it. But yeah, um, it was damn near impossible to field the, the clearance kicks because the balls just swirling around all over the place. Some of the lineouts got blown around. Some of the passes, any pass that went yeah. longer than 20 yards, you could see the wind was, was taking it. But yeah, the, the free, the free jacks game looked like it was being played in the Arctic circle. Yeah. I mean, it was a damn, damn near a blizzard. I will say there's, um, and I'm going to shout out a, the life university head coach here, Colton Cariaga. Uh, I, I had a chat with him a few years ago and he, had life had just lost for the first time in, in three years. And they lost to Arkansas state. who was a good team. Asa was actually on, on that team, um, but not a team that they would ever expect to lose to. And he had a really good analogy where he said, you know, sometimes being on these really epic win streaks, it's almost like taking out the trash in a way where, you know, when you you fill up your trash and and you you start throwing stuff in there, you don't really think about it because it's not very full. Um, and, but then over time, like more and more stuff piles up in your trash can, and the longer you don't take the trash out, eventually, uh, you know, it fills up and then it starts to to rot and fester, and then it becomes a problem. And then it's like, oh shit, I got to take it out, but it's a little too late at that point. Um, you're saying, Leo, you know, with when you're winning all the time, when things don't stink. Uh, you have these little areas of your game that are like little pieces of trash that that build up and you don't take out the trash because you haven't noticed it yet because uh-huh. you're winning. Mm. But then eventually you finally lose, which stinks. And then you finally you're like, oh, wow, you know, maybe our line out wasn't as good as we thought. Or maybe there's, you know, our work, you know, around the breakdown is not as good as we thought or or scrum or something that like things that go unnoticed until you lose. Right. And, and then you, you pick it out and you just take out the trash and you get to kind of start fresh again. And I think in a way that happens a lot with teams on the undefeated run during a season where I have the Gil Groney's been perfect this season by no means, but their record has been perfect. So, so this loss, hopefully is an opportunity to, to uncover a few pain points in the team that, that we didn't see before. And, and Mark and Sam, of course, will go back to the drawing board and, and address those concerns. And, and it'll 
probably make the team better long term than yeah. you know than scraping out a bunch of wins and then getting later in the season and then losing games that matter because you haven't addressed issues early on. Yeah, well said. Um, so uh, the uh, the AGs basically had the easiest uh, start to the season they could have possibly engineered. Uh, it just got progressively more challenging, but they, they really mm-hmm. made made hay while the sun shone. And you know, everyone was saying, "Oh, yeah, they're you know they're they're so explosive and scoring all these points." But really, they you know you, you'd expect a semi decent team to put teams like Dallas really? away to that level. Um, so I think it was a bit of a not a false start, but it was a very flattering. Yeah. It, it flattered to deceive in terms of how good the AGs were. I think it was more a case of it was a perfect run in. They did well at Seattle; that was a, a yeah. battling win. And then yeah, yeah. You know, they really had to battle against LA. But maybe now we've just seen the the, the repercussions of two really hard matches. Um, the mistakes were there, and they made twenty two handling errors in the first half alone uh, right. against the Rattlers and. That's- that is heaps too many. You're just not going to win games if you make that many handling mistakes. Um, right. uh, and I mean, we, uh, and Alex, we we did touch on that earlier in the season against the Jackals. Similar conditions, cold and windy, um, and and they had a lot of handling errors, but they were so dominant that it didn't really it didn't really affect the result on the field. Uh, yeah. But you go up against the defending Eastern Conference champions and you make 22 handling errors. And, I, it, yeah, it does affect in how you go. In the first half. Yeah, 22 in the first half. That's, yeah. That's, that's nuts. Uh, I didn't know that stat. Ich nicht lichten, as they say. Um, it's, I mean, it was, it's, I mean, that you could make an argument that it was the, the Atlanta defense that was forcing a lot of these errors. You could make the defense say that the wind really blew a lot of the, the balls. Mm. Um, credit to Austin. They, they tried to play their game, which is they're not afraid to try things. They want to play an attractive, exciting brand of rugby. Uh, lots of nice interlinking between the forwards but then some of the wild passes, and this might have been the wind again, but there was a few, I say a few, maybe two, like miracle balls that just went to nobody and bounced yeah. uh, on the ground. So, yeah, the mistakes were there. I think really uh, it uh, – do you know what? Secretly, and I'm uh, eternal optimist, but secretly I can see, you know, if we meet Atlanta in the, you know, uh, later in this season, like revenge will be on the cards, and yeah. uh, Austin will want to give a better account of themselves, which they can do. And Atlanta aren't all that. Um, their pack was, and their defense was, but beyond that, um, you know, who knows if um, if it had been a full full strength uh, AG's team, um, right. we might have done more against them in the forwards. Um, yeah, well, and I don't think we even mentioned that. Maybe you did earlier, but I'm, I mean, no Isaac Ross this weekend, as well as no Kyle, no um, Beecham. Luke Beauchamp. Yeah, Beach, is it Beauchamp or Beecham? All the com- well, they spelled Beauchamp, and me being European, want to give it the French twang, but all the commentators call him Beecham, so I, I okay. guess I've spoken to someone. All right. Um, can I imagine yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, no Beecham, no Brighton Bach, 
no, no Ross. That's definitely, that's tough. That's, that's three of your, of your biggest, most powerful guys. Not that I guess Isaac Ross isn't your typical brute force guy out there, but when you look at what he does at the line out to disrupt the other team's ball, like perhaps there's a few malls that would never have started for ATL if Isaac Ross is in there because he might have pinched him like he did last last year. I think against uh, ATL, he pinched two or three of their of their balls right down near the try line that saved us. There we go. So yeah, I mean, you know, if, um, you know, if 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 my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle, as I say. <laughs> uh, so That's the fact is, uh, Atlanta will get to the win, um, and it was uh, yeah, like, I like your your taking out the trash and analogy. Hopefully we'll, well, we'll see where we stand against the free jacks. Maybe it's a, it's a wake up call they needed. Maybe uh, they just need to be at home. Who knows? But I'm certainly, I've been impressed with the, the free jacks so far. Uh, I'm not, I've been impressed with the free jacks uh, podcast as well, but they do seem to like calling, well, they seem determined to refer to uh, Austin as the jabronis, which, uh, I don't know. We might have to start some sort of inter-podcast uh, banter, stroke, spite. Um, but all right. Well, we're just up to call them the ass cracks. <sighs> well, I mean, you know, I, I was going to go away and think of something clever, but <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I, mean, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Imagine how high on their their radar. There, but. Um, their production values seem very good. They seem to talk about all the different teams and all the different games. And all I ever do is just watch the, the Gilgroni. So it makes me feel lazy and uneducated. But uh, yeah. uh, you know, that's probably because I am. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? We live in uh, this wonderful bubble called Austin, Texas, and um, we live in this inside of a dome that is Texas. So we don't we don't give a crap about other states, other cities, other teams, other countries. It's peripheral to, matters, yeah. To, you know, we get to be um, blissfully ignorant. Yeah. I used to live in the old England. I, you know, New England vaguely registers on my uh, my, my radar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> never been, probably never will go. Uh, go quick before uh, it all gets nuked. Yeah. They're first on the list. <laughs> anyway, moving on. All right, but uh, yeah, kind of looking ahead though to that game, I think um, the Free Jacks definitely are going to bring a very similar approach to the game that Atlanta does, which is a very powerful forward pack, um, a team that probably is most renowned for having, I think, the strongest mall across the league, at least over the past couple of seasons and a team that defends well and has enough playmakers around the field that they get tries on the board. The 10, uh, Bowden uh, Waka is the man at 10 at the moment. He's a point-scoring machine, and he's pulling strings uh, like a a marionette master. So if uh, my advice to Austin would be uh, stamp on his face as soon as you can. Try and, (laughs) you know, really put him off his game. Uh, yep. because uh, I, um, there may be trouble ahead. He's, I mean, he was a fullback winger in New Zealand for 
you know, a while, I think five or six years playing in just the, the notch below super rugby in the, the minor 10 cup. Mm-hmm. And last season for the free jacks, he was really good, but he was playing, being deployed at fullback. Um, so he still, you know, had a huge impact on the team, but his influence is a little bit mitigated because he was, you know, in the back three, but now as a 10, he's got his fingerprints all over every single game for the Free Jacks. And I think that is kind of their, you know, their bread and butter is, like I said, they they defend well, they hit their set piece, and then they have those moments of magic from, from Bodie Waka seemingly every single week. And not to mention some of the guys around him, like Dougie Fife and, and John Poland, who are, you know, equally as electric, um, in moments. Yeah. So, um, the, the Duke of Edinburgh as, as he's, uh, <laughs> referred to, uh, is he back from his suspension for the Austin game? Do we know? I don't know. Uh, where, where are we? Is that round five? I think he got a five game suspension. He was in game one. So I don't even know if that counts as. So this would be, four, so, uh, no, this would be his fifth game out. Right. Okay. Yeah, if you've got um, if you've got a, a, a massive dominant pack and a ten that not even has half a clue about how best to utilize that, you you know you're always going to have the upper hand. And whereas I do like the Austin pack and I do like Mac Mason, um, I have seen teams get uh, out muscled and beaten up front to their detriment so many times, you know, I, I hate to say it's, it's that easy. If you have a big pack and a 10 that would just control the game on the back of that, you will win matches, but it does seem to make things slightly more straightforward. So um, who knows? Maybe Austin will have uh, just one of those days and rack up another big score. Yeah. Um, I think secretly, if I'm honest with myself, I think Austin are just waiting for that by just so they can get an extra week on the treatment bed. Uh, and mm-hmm. put some ice packs uh, strategically about themselves. Yeah, the AG. So it looks like the every team in the Eastern Conference has had a bye at this stage, whereas in the West, um, only Utah and LA have had buys. So um, yeah, definitely a lot of. I think a lot of teams in the West right now are starting to run on E. That's. I mean, that's six weeks in a row of really, really intense. Rugby is is starting to show its teeth, but I think if the if the AGs can pull out a win this weekend, I think that's that sets the trajectory for the rest of the season. A, you know, a bounce back win against one of the best teams in the league, a team that beat the AGs last year in a game that I think we probably could all agree the AGs kind of threw away up in New England last year, so. Um, they got revenge against LA. They got revenge against Utah, and they uh, they've taken care of business elsewhere. So I think this this will be exciting this weekend. Yeah, and uh, some interesting results uh, around the league as well. Utah did LA, so LA are, yeah. uh, really you know if they keep keep this up, uh, they'll be lucky to make the playoffs. Um, and uh, I like how Houston are developing too, uh, because I they. Too. They, they seem to, I mean, when they announced uh, Heinick Mayer as their, their coach, um, oh, you've Uh-oh. lost me. Hang on one second. Hang on. Oh, I've gone, we've gone. 
Come back. It well, seems that it. we have lost oh, Alex Kalpa yeah. here, but I think I, I understand that the talk track he was on, uh, Houston really has put a lot of effort into rebuilding a franchise that, I mean, to I'm be back. fair, is really underperformed given their resources and given uh, some of the talent they've had I'm over back. the last four I years, mean, the first four years of MLR rugby. So it's good to see Houston um, Ooh, with sorry about such that. a Can you dedicated and, and strong Testing. fan base and probably the best Testing. one of the best complexes in the league starting to, to string together some wins. Alex, I was just temp- attempting to uh, carry on uh, the talk track you were on. Sorry about that. Yeah, the little gerbil in the wheel that powers my, my laptop. I uh, just <laughs> took a fag break quickly. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, Houston uh, – they announced Henrik Mayer, and everyone was like, oh, it's going to be brilliant. And it didn't quite happen. They lost Sam Windsor, who was probably their best player. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and um, now they seem to be getting the results. They seem to be playing pretty good. Um, also, Dallas. Uh, I'm loving seeing Dallas putting up a fight and still struggling without a pack, really, but uh, pushing teams, they're scoring tries. Um, I'm really, I'm really excited about how the the Texas Cup is going to pan out because that is going to be, yeah. it's going to be uh, an awesome little uh, battle. I'm, uh, I'm looking at the schedule. I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to lock down when that that big rubber match is between the Dallas Jackals and Old Glory. Ooh. That could be, yeah, that could be, uh, that could be a wooden spoon on the line. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, so at this point in the season, all very interesting, all developing nice, building up to the, the halfway point quite well, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah, I I, um, I have to say, I think that, you know, every year the quality has is, is certainly gone up across MLR. And this year it's really exciting to see that not only has the quality gone up, but it seems like there's quite a bit of parity this year, you know, newer teams are kind of emerging as, as front runners, but the old teams are still, you know, San Diego Legion, the Seattle Seawolves are back. Uh, they're competing at the level that they, you know, were the first three years of MLR, Utah, still very much in the mix. NOLA still very much in the mix. Toronto getting to play at home again, um, seems to be a threat. So it, it's going to be really a dogfight for the last nine or however many, 10 weeks of the season, 10 games. Yeah, and uh, the, the, the league's really developing its own character. Now, like you think yeah. about like a sitcom or a, a series or something, the teams are, you know, they're, they're building their history, the rivalries, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're writing the stories. And um, I love how uh, the MLR is, um, so I think I've mentioned this before, but... Um, sort of living in South Wales, um, watching the, the regions play quote unquote pro rugby. It was so dull. It was so boring. It was just that play it safe, play the numbers, you know, don't, and it was just dull. And the results that the, the Welsh regions have been getting all just shows how poor that is. And I yeah. love how the MLR is basically, uh, professionalism with none of that boring crap and yeah. all of the excitement. And it's, yeah. it's just, Love that, it. it's as a, as a product, 
it's just uh, eminently watchable. I think right. some of the production values and uh, if if you if you don't follow uh, Brian Ray on Twitter, um, and one of the other podcasts spoke about this as well, but he is hilarious because he will call uh, the MLR out on all of its uh, nonsense oh from a production <laughs> point of view. So you know, misnaming the teams, getting the scores wrong, and there's 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 a lot of work. People are working very very hard to get the MLR you know, off the ground and running. The product on the pitch is excellent. But I think the American public are used to higher production standards. Like if you look right. at NFL, right? I mean, I know that's like an easy one to go for, but, but NFL Films is one of the greatest sports documentary production houses uh, there's ever been. And yeah. I know it's a game of billions now and, you know, they've got the money to support everything. But um, uh, I, I just think, the everything's ticking along beautifully with the teams. I think just the production values now, and it could do with just being tweaked and fine tuned and then everything will be in place for the game to grow because, you know, every, every week down at bold, you see a bunch of, well, I say a bunch, like a thousand yeah. uh, new, new faces, new people going, this is great. I love it. Where has this been all my life? The, the yeah. pride night, uh, all the, um, you know, Noxie doing the, the cuts to the crowd. You can yeah. just see everyone is either up and screaming and dancing and enjoying themselves or looking at each other going, this is great. Where has this been all my life? Right. Um, I, I, I got to give credit to, I, I haven't been to an MLR game at another stadium before, but the atmosphere that the AGs have created at that bold stadium has never left me wish wanting for more other than uh, a couple of times where we haven't won. <laughs> um, but the, I've never seen anybody walk out of bold stadium, not buzzing, whether they're actually buzzed <laughs> or whether they are buzzing because it's just awesome. It's a lot of fun. It, I think it, it showcases rugby in a really positive way. But it also adds the Americanism of sport, which is the fireworks, the you know the um, the American food, the you know, the the interviews in the crowd, yeah, the, the, the music, the artists that the Boston yeah, Music Foundation exactly. put up there. It's great. It's, a, it's such a brilliant spot for a little rugby stadium, and like I say, all the razzmatazz that goes with it is is perfect. I, I mean, no one would be more cynical or. Uh, um, harshly critical of that sort of thing than, than myself coming from a pretty kind of conservative rugby background in the UK. And I, I had my reservations about it all, but um, it's such, a, it's, it's just heady and irresistible. Uh, yeah. I, can't, I can't get enough of going to Bold Stadium and short of, um, well, my wife says I'm like a kid at Christmas when we go up there. Cause I'm, just, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting my, uh, getting my chicken tenders, looking at oh, the TV yeah. screen and the games. Do you can see it through the fence behind you? And I'm like, yeah, this is oh, great. Yeah. I love it. It's, <laughs> um, it's amazing. I, I, I mean, I've, you know, pretty much everyone I know socially has come down to join us uh, for a game at one point and, uh, and they've all thoroughly enjoyed it as well. So yeah, I think, yeah, yeah I, I did think that, Get, bringing a shield to Austin uh, is would be so so good, um, but I don't think Austin needs to hang its hat on that as a result right. um, to grow the game. I think it's growing; it's definitely growing. It's growing nicely. Yeah, I mean, my uh, 
my good mate from from high school who I played uh, football and basketball with, his and he and he never played rugby at all. He's always been kind of interested in in rugby because you know his buddies played it, but um, never played rugby. None of his siblings played rugby, um, and his parents had never seen or watched rugby. But his mom, after the last Saturday or last Sunday, texted him and said, "Like, hey." Brendan, uh, you know, the, the, uh, Austin beat LA in rugby last night. Did you see that? And it was on the news and everything. And, and so now you're, we're tapping into people that have never played rugby, never watched rugby. Don't really know what it is taking pride in the fact that Austin beat LA at something. So I'm going to run this past you. Feel free to shoot it down. This is just my my take on things. Austin is a rugby town. Yeah. How many pro sports teams are there? Zero. Well, oh, no, there's a soccer team. Sorry. Soccer there's team. Been, Good luck to them. Been. Fine. No, I, I don't. I don't buy into this. Uh, some people call it Wendy Ball. Some people call it Chav Ball. Oyster <laughs> Ball. Uh, falling over and rolling around a lot. I, I used to play soccer myself. That usually hurts. If someone kicks you at full tilt in the shin, that that's worthy oh, of rolling around. Yeah, you get you get a Steven Gerrard yeah, cleat to the to the upper ankle. Exactly. So I don't buy into that. Good luck to them. Great. I wish them every success. But how many national level soccer teams play in uh, Austin? Mm. Well, we don't know. <laughs> so it's kind of an academic question. But how many rugby teams play in Austin? Four? Right. Five? Yeah, quite a few. I, th- I, I would put forward the argument. Mm-hmm. And are we unique? Are we the only city in the MLR that can say that? I bet you all the others have got like a football team, a hockey team, yeah. basketball and things like that. We're a rugby town. Yeah, we have two clubs with three full sides. That's the uh, absolutely the only city, not even New York city has two clubs with three sides. Um, Arrest so again, I mean, there's that right off the bat. And then we've got now two women's sides. There's not a lot of cities that, that can say that. And we have um, now we've got, you know, a couple of satellite, like just around out Austin, you know, in the area clubs so mm-hmm. yeah so yeah, I, I, I think dude I, I alex i do not think that you are uh, overstepping any bounds by saying Austin, oh, you heard it here first this is a rugby town gonna get yeah. shielded here at some point i imagine because you can, i just believe that we will do i can't i mean it, even if it's not this season at some point in the future i, I believe there's going to be like championships uh coming oh, I this agree. way Absolutely, especially if we can keep you know Mark, Mark and Sam around. Yeah, and you know with the uh, just the the feeder youth talent coming through to the side as well. It looks like we're set for a couple of years. You know, yeah, you look, you look at the average age of the team now. We're pretty. I can't believe um, like um, Mason Peterson's only like 20, 26. Yeah. So no, Mason Peterson's only twenty four. He's younger than I am. Twenty four. You're joking. Yeah. Wow. He must have had a hell of a yeah. paper round when he was young. <laughs> yeah. He was. Mason was playing on the Austin Huns uh, when they won the national championship at 
18, 19. Right. Okay. So, yeah, he's been playing men's rugby for a long time. So, uh, I think, like, obviously, Isaac Ross is, uh, if we get him for next season, that'll be like some kind of minor miracle. <laughs> I think yeah. the other, like, I think we're good. I think we're good for a few years. If this team can really gel and settle, yep. um, I have every hope. Um, and really, you know, I mean, to for, for Sam Harris to have put together a, a winning season last season in his first year in charge was remarkable and epic. Um, if he doesn't win the Shield this year, no one's going to be calling for his head. Um you know, I think, yeah, even if it's next season or the season after that, that's going to be an awesome, awesome team. Um, that's Sorry. really going to be challenging. Yeah, I, I 100% you know, believe that, especially you look at where they've come from being the gutter of MLR to being a solid, very solid team last year. And, and then the, the steps in one year that Sam... Harris has kind of helped, and it's not just Sam Harris. You know, it's the it's the entire organization, starting with you know, starting with um, Adam Gilchrist, and then yeah. hiring, putting the right guys in charge to to handle you know strength and conditioning with Simon Thomas. Um, you know, some of the behind the scenes management with um, Mike Sheehan and and um, Mike Ablett, and then. Even hey, our our guy Austin Willis doing the the social media to, you know the the Dave Hodges and and Mason Herrings that have helped put together stuff like the Outlaws. Like it's it's definitely taken a village. Um, you know, and I'm missing a lot of people. I know um, the entire medical staff, Eddie, Sam, all of them. Um, it's it's been it's been pretty remarkable to see the the buy in on all aspects of forming a a rugby club and Sam Harris being kind of the, you know, the, the guy that's the, the spearhead and the, yes. the figurehead, but mm. everything, everything about it is, is sustainable in my opinion. Yeah. They've been hugely smart about it. Uh, Marco Keefe's dad, I think said on, uh, on uh, social media that, uh, um, Mark's never been happier in an environment in rugby. And this is a guy that I think he was a Leinster. Uh, and, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, like you say, it starts out Gilchrist with his deep pockets, paying for everything, but didn't do the cheap, easy thing of just throwing money like you see with right. soccer teams. Built from the ground up. Uh, everyone was very cautious, waiting for the MLR to kind of, you know, um, not to overreach the potential for the MLR, but with all the success last season with, you know, hundred percent games being played despite yeah. COVID. Um, I think uh, a lot of people are working very hard and a lot of people deserve a lot of credit. And I, um, uh, I yeah, you know, I don't want to jinx anything at this point, but I'm mm-hmm. so excited about the future. Um, I think even, well, especially with the product that um, you know, the coaches have said they want to play an exciting brand of rugby, and you can see it in the play, all the forwards interlinking with the backs on loop around and uh, yeah. angling. It's um, it's rugby heaven at times. It's joyful yeah. stuff. Uh, like I say, none of that shackled professional play it safe, stodgy, stodgy, boring nonsense. Um, I think 
uh, it bums on seats uh, at Bold Stadium for the next few uh, seasons. If they can, uh, winning or not winning um, Shields, keep that product on the pitch. Um, people are going to love coming down to Bold to watch and play. Absolutely. Well, Alex, I think I think that that was you know a very well articulated and and on both of our behalf, long winded way of saying yeah. Austin is a rugby town. Austin is a rugby, the only rugby town. Yeah. Well, Alex, uh, I think something on our to-do list moving forward here is um, we got to treat the fans to a special guest, which we've had one this season, but I know um, you guys are, are itching to hear from, you know, some of the AG players, coaches, and some of the local Austin players and coaches across the Valks, the Huns, the Blacks, the ORC, the Round Rock Rage, um, and any other teams that I might have missed. So thank you guys for tuning in uh, once again this week. Alex, always a pleasure. Everybody's looking forward to that write-up that will be going on the Austin Rugby Supporters Facebook page. Don't forget to like comment and possibly even disagree with Alex on there because here at the Austin Rugby Supporters Podcast, we value your feedback, we internalize it, and we action on it. Absolutely. Great to speak to you again, Alex. Have a a great week. I'll see you on the other side. See you on the other side.